This evening, I will be reading from Acts 15, verses 23 through 27. On the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that's page 924. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instruction, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. It's already been a great day, a good day to worship God together and also to witness two wonderful souls being added to the kingdom. Both Joshua this morning and Clover just a few moments ago. And Clover did something that all of us need to think about. We don't have to wait for the preacher to say, let us stand and sing before we decide to be baptized. As a matter of fact, the very best time to be baptized is right now. The idea that I need to put on Christ, I need to be a Christian, and that's what Clover decided to do. So we baptized her, if you weren't here, about five minutes before services began this evening. We're so thankful for you, Clover, and we're glad that you're here with us. This is one of those sermons that, as a preacher, this is just kind of fun for me. I wanted to talk tonight about somebody maybe you haven't heard much about. We're going to talk about Silas. Silas is somebody that you'll see his name appear infrequently throughout Scripture, but the one thing that you need to remember about Silas is that he is called by me, Mr. Reliability. We want reliable things. We want reliable cars. We want reliable cell phones and cell phone signals especially. We need to be able to have a signal so we can have our data and have our phone calls go through. We want our watches to be reliable, our clocks, our alarm clocks, so that we don't oversleep. Reliability is really critical. It's really important in a lot of areas of our lives, but especially when it comes to serving as a New Testament Christian, it is important to be reliable, dependable. In our songs, we have a song, or songbook, we have a song, Can He Depend on You? And that's a good question to contemplate. Can God depend on me? And can my brothers and sisters in Christ depend on me to serve the Lord faithfully? Let's talk about Silas tonight. If you got your Bibles, open them up to Acts 15. And I just want to give you a brief survey and we'll talk about some of the specifics of his life. But in Acts 15, Silas bursts onto the scene. He's there in Jerusalem and the Bible calls him in Acts 15, 22, a leading man in the church. More about that in a few moments. But you also will see that Silas is just there in the book of Acts from Acts 15 to Acts 18. He goes with Paul on the second missionary journey and then he vanishes from the biblical record. You'll find his name in a couple of other New Testament books. He's he's there in 1 Thessalonians. He's mentioned in 1 and 2 Corinthians. Uh, He's mentioned by Peter in the book of 1 Peter. But other than that, we don't know much else about Silas. So he's a full-grown man, a, a leader in the church when we were introduced to him, and then he just vanishes. Here are some things to keep in mind about this man, Silas. 
His name is, in Acts 15, he's called Silas. But in other books, like 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 1, he's called Silvanus. And most scholars think that that's just a Jewish rendering, Silas, of his name, and then a Greek rendering, Silvanus, of his name. Same guy, just called these two different names. Another thing, he's a leader in the Jerusalem church. As a matter of fact, if you look into Acts 15, look at verse 22 where it says, It seemed good to the apostles and to the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers. Silas was a leading man in the church. He was somebody that they thought was trustworthy, that they could send on this journey. He turns out later in Acts 15, after Paul and Barnabas have a falling out, to go on a missionary journey with Paul. The second missionary journey was not Paul and Barnabas, it was Paul and Silas. He was a gifted preacher of the gospel. The scripture says in Acts 15:32 that he was a prophet. He had a miraculous ability that was given to him in the first century. He was able to preach and he could talk about Christ. He could talk about the gospel and the church trusted him to be able to do this. He was, importantly, a Roman citizen according to Acts 16 verse 37. As Paul went farther and farther into Gentile territory in his second missionary journey, this would become important, especially at Philippi when they took Paul and Silas prisoner unlawfully and beat them and put them in prison. It wasn't until the next day that Paul and Silas said, is it lawful for your magistrates to have beaten us, Roman citizens? And they were terrified, they were afraid when they heard this. But Silas was a Roman citizen and that gave him access to some places and to some people that maybe Barnabas and others might not have had. And so Silas is a man of talent, he's a man of leadership, he's a man who knows the gospel, who loves the church, and who is reliable. Let me just give you a quick map overview of where Silas goes in his ministry. Silas, we meet in Jerusalem down there on the lower left-hand part of the screen. He goes to Antioch because that's what the church sent him to do, to take this letter about the Gentiles and about how they could be Christians without being circumcised. That was not a requirement. Silas was one of the men they selected here in Acts 15 to send on this mission. And then Paul takes Silas with him on his second missionary journey. They go as far as Troas where they receive the Macedonian and call. Come over to Macedonia and help us, remember? And the Bible says that they went over to places like Philippi. That's where Paul and Silas were in the Philippian jail in Acts 16 verse 25, singing and praying to God loudly at night. And the other prisoners were listening to them. They left Philippi after being beaten and shamefully treated. And the Bible says they went to Thessalonica and to Berea. They were run out of both of those towns. And then finally, Paul goes to Athens and uh, on, his way to Ath- on his way to Corinth, he goes through Athens. And what Silas ends up doing with Paul in this particular part of his journey is to become a runner for Paul. He's taking letters back and forth. For example, First and Second Thessalonians, probably carried by Silas, if not Silas and Timothy, back to the brethren there in Thessalonica. And he brings some money from Philippi back to Paul when Paul is there in Corinth. So Paul doesn't have to be a tent maker all the time. He brings money from the Philippians, the congregation there, and delivers it to Paul, the missionary. Reliable. We need more people like Silas in the Lord's church. We need more people that can be trusted. 
more people that you can count on to fulfill a ministry, to fulfill a task, to do what's required and not look for any praise or acclaim, not look for anybody to hold them up and say, look at what a wonderful servant this is, but just to serve faithfully and loyally. We need men and women like Silas in the Lord's church today. Let me share with you three quick observations about Silas as we think about his life and what we can learn. In the first place, Silas was, as we've mentioned, a leader, a leader. If you're looking at Acts 15, verse 22, he was a chief man in the church. He was a leading man. Question, how did Silas become a leading man in the church? I would submit to you that Silas did not campaign for it that he didn't go around ginning up support and getting people to be on his team, on his side, seeing things from his point of view so that he could have power and influence among the church. That's not how Christ makes leaders. You know what Jesus said? He said, if anyone would be great among you, let him be servant of all. Mark chapter 10, verses 43 through 45. I'll tell you how Silas became a leading man in the church. Silas was a servant of Jesus Christ, first and foremost. He found places to serve. He found needs that needed to be met. And Silas was the kind of man who was consistent and faithful in doing that. And when somebody does that over a period of time, other Christians will start to recognize their example and their influence. That's how Silas became a leading man in the church. There is something wrong with us, brethren, when we decide that we need to campaign to be a ministry leader or an elder or a deacon somehow. We need to, we need to make sure that we've got all the votes and the support and all that. There is something wrong with that thinking, with that mindset. Silas was a man who became a leader by being a servant first. Not only that, he was a chosen man. When the church had a difficult ministry, because there was a lot of confusion about the gospel up there in Antioch, a long way from Jerusalem. And when the church wasn't sure how to make sure that the Antioch congregation got the message, they decided that they needed to pick two of their own members, Silas and this other man named Judas, and they sent these two men to Antioch. They chose him. I'll tell you why they chose him to do this. Because the church in Jerusalem knew what Silas stood for. They knew what Silas was all about. And so if you're looking at Acts 15 and look at verse 27, the scripture says, we have therefore sent Judas and Silas who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. This was not going to be a message that was easy for the Gentile, uh, for the uh, Judaizing teachers to hear. They were gonna disagree. The Judaizing teachers were the men in the church that were saying, you gotta be circumcised. You have, to, you have to keep the old law in order to be a Christian. They were saying those kinds of things. It was not going to be easy for Silas and Judas and Paul and Barnabas to go back to Antioch with that message, but they knew they could count on Silas to stand with backbone for what was true and what was right. That's why the church chose him. It's an interesting study to think about how the Jerusalem church chose men for tasks that needed to be done. Back in Acts chapter 6, for example, when they had some widows that were being neglected, look out among yourselves, find seven men full of the Holy Spirit and faith that we may put over this business. When they needed to know what was going on in Antioch, they chose Barnabas and sent him to find out in Acts chapter 11 what was going on. And here in Acts 15, they choose Silas and Judas and they say, we're sending these men to you. These men are going to say the same thing our letter says. They're going to confirm for you that what we believe here in Jerusalem is the truth. This is where we are. 
And not only that, but in Acts chapter 15 and verse 40, Paul and Barnabas had had a falling out over bringing John Mark with them. And so Barnabas took Mark and went to Cyprus. But in Acts 15 verse 40, it says, Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Paul could have chosen anybody he wanted to go on his second missionary journey, but he chose Silas. Paul wanted somebody he could count on, he could rely on, and that's who he picked, Silas. It's amazing to think about the reliability of this brother. The way he lived his life commended him to everyone around him. He was a credible man too. Acts 15, 26 is a curious passage. It says, men who have risked their necks They've risked their lives for the Lord Jesus, for the gospel. It seems that not only is the church referring to Paul and Barnabas by that statement, but it seems as well that they're referring to Judas and Silas. Silas is credible. We can believe that this man really does stand for what's right because he's been through some things and he's endured some things and he knows some things about what it means to stand for Jesus Christ. And he's willing once again to be persecuted if necessary for the Lord's sake. He's credible. Incidentally, one of the accusations that people made against Paul everywhere he went was that Paul was not an authentic apostle. Paul was not an authentic apostle. Paul was he, he was not with Peter, Andrew, James, and John while the Lord was in his earthly ministry after all. And Paul was coming along and preaching some things to the Gentiles and people would say, we don't know about Paul and whether he really, whether he really is preaching the same message that the, that the apostles in Jerusalem are preaching. Silas brought some credibility because Silas was from the church in Jerusalem and Silas knew firsthand Peter and James and John and the other apostles, he knew them. And when Silas went with Paul on that missionary journey, when he went with Paul and Barnabas to Antioch, Silas stood as one who was credible. Here is a man who knows firsthand, he's from Jerusalem. He knows what the Jerusalem church stands for. And even if people wanted to try to knock or take a dig at Paul, they couldn't say much when Silas was standing there confirming that what Paul was teaching was the truth. Silas used his credibility to the glory of God. I've been on a couple of trips to Mexico since I've been here at Katy and I've been with a couple of our elders. And did you know that when we go to Mexico that our elders are like rock stars? They, they really are. They just, our, our brethren in Mexico don't encounter many elders. They don't run across many men who are qualified to serve as elders. And I remember a few years ago going with Brother Tom Gilson and the, the little children just all wanted to come up and talk to Tom and see him. And they were all saying, Anciano, Anciano, elder, elder. They were talking about this man, he's an elder. They, they'd not seen somebody like this before. It was amazing to watch, it was neat. He brought some credibility because of the kind of man that he is, because of the life that he's lived and because of the way he serves the church here in Katy. That's the kind of thing that Silas did when he went with Paul. Everywhere he went, this man's from Jerusalem. This man knows Peter. And he's saying that Paul is telling us the truth. Confirmation, he's credible. Not only that, but Silas is competent. He knows how to teach the truth. I want you to read with me Acts 15, 32 and 33 and listen to what it says. Acts 15, 32, they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to, excuse me, I'm, I'm in chapter 16, verse 32. It says, 
And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. When Silas preached, he preached in such a way that he was encouraging and strengthening brethren. And not only that, it says in verse 33, after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. So they spent time preaching the truth, building up the church, and when they left, they departed in peace. Not every preacher preaches that way. Not everybody who brings, brings God's word delivers God's word in that manner where they can encourage and exhort the faithful to stay firm, to stand in the faith. And then when they depart, they depart in peace. There are some people who go around tearing up churches. And that's the legacy they've left in every place they've been in their ministry. Everywhere they go, they divide the church. They cause strife and heartache and division everywhere they go. That's not Silas. Silas is competent. He knows the gospel is about building people up. It's about bringing people to Christ. He knows that this is his task and his role. He's dependable. Secondly, let's talk about Silas as a missionary. He goes on this second missionary journey in Acts 16 and 17 with the Apostle Paul. And I just want to make a few highlights as we think about Silas and his journey with Paul. They go through Asia Minor. They receive the Macedonian call. They go across to Philippi. And that's when it seems the trouble really starts for Silas and Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19, Paul reminds the Corinthians how Silas and Timothy and he, Paul, had preached the Lord Jesus Christ among them. You know, oftentimes we just think of Paul being the guy who does the speaking, but Paul had some co-workers. He had a team that he worked with, and he worked really well with these men. And so Silas did some of the teaching, and Timothy did some of the teaching. Silas is a missionary. He was not just a tag-along. He was not just a sightseer for Jesus. He was a man who went and preached everywhere he went. Not only that, but Silas suffered. In Acts 16, verses 19 through 24, after they cast the spirit out of that little girl with the spirit of divination, those who were losing money because she no longer was able to tell fortunes, they got the city in an uproar and they brought Paul and Silas before the magistrates and they beat them and then they threw them in the stocks. And it says in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 2, Paul writes, Silas and I were shamefully treated at Philippi. That wasn't the only place that he suffered. He suffered in Thessalonica as well. He suffered in Berea as well. He even suffered in Corinth. Everywhere the gospel made new ground, there was suffering that accompanied it. And Silas was reliable and he went through all those things. You don't read a word of complaint in scripture from Silas. He helped Paul. Look over in Acts 17, verses 14 and 15. These are, kind of, these are kind of passages that we don't dwell on a great deal, but think about what Silas was doing. In Acts 17, verses 14 and 15, it says, the brothers in Berea immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there in Berea. And those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. At this point, as they're in Greece and Paul is heading for Corinth, Silas becomes, as I said earlier, a runner. He's taking letters and correspondence and sometimes financial support back and forth from Paul to the churches like in Thessalonica or Philippi and other places. 
Silas is a runner. Everything he does is helpful. This would not have been easy in the first century. Travel was dangerous, even in the best of times. And yet, because he loved the Lord and because he wanted the Lord's cause to go forth, Silas was happy to take that correspondence, sometimes inspired letters, to take those things and deliver them to Paul and to bring news of the churches back to Paul. When you read 1 Thessalonians, you'll find Paul saying things like, I just couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand not knowing what was going on with you there in Thessalonica, but I was so grateful when Timothy came and when Silas came and they brought news of how you're doing and it comforted me even though I'm going through difficult times where I am. Silas was a helper. He was one who lifted up Paul's hands in ministry. He was trustworthy. In Acts 18, 5, it says, Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia. And if you connect that with 2 Corinthians 11, verse 9, it says that those who came from Macedonia had brought a financial gift so that Paul did not, lo- not any longer have to make tents. Paul worked with his own hands everywhere he went because he didn't want people to accuse him of doing this for the money. But some of the churches that he'd been, been to before, they helped him. Silas took a large sum of money from congregations in Macedonia and he safely brought that, that, those funds to Paul. That might not seem like such a big deal until you stop and think about the logistics of what Silas did. He carried a lot of cash on him. I mean, think about it. He's carrying enough cash to support Paul in his ministry and he's carrying that on his person and he takes it with him a long distance in the ancient world where there are no authorities and police and things like that to come to your rescue if some thieves fall upon you. Silas brings this large sum of money at great danger and cost to himself and he faithfully delivers it to the apostle Paul. He's a man who can be trusted. Even today, Those who serve in mission fields have to be very trustworthy regarding how they use funds that are given for various aspects of their work. It is a difficult thing to do, to be trustworthy as a good steward of God. Silas did it wonderfully well. A great missionary if ever there was one. And then third, let's talk about Silas the prisoner. Go back to Acts chapter 16. If we didn't know anything else about Silas but this, it would be worthy of our study. Silas and Paul go to Philippi, and we're going to focus on this especially. They have courageous preaching. They are talking about Jesus. They're talking about the gospel. They're converting people to him. Everywhere they go, they're striving to make Christ's name known. As we've mentioned a couple of times already, they were arrested. It says in Acts 16, 24, having received the order, they were put into the inner prison and fastened by their feet into the stocks. And then in Acts 16, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken, and all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. In the darkest, most difficult circumstances of his life, in a time and a place where they had been unjustly and unlawfully imprisoned, You know, some people might say, I wonder if God has abandoned us. I wonder if we've done something wrong. I wonder if, I wonder if we've, if we've, if we've been saying things that God never intended for us to say. I wonder if we should have not cast out that spirit of divination from that little girl. You could do all kinds of second guessing. And you could even have a pity party and say, woe is me. Look at what's happened to me. Look at how unfairly we're being treated. 
But in the darkest time of his life, Silas and Paul, they choose to sing praise and offer prayers loudly to God. It shows a contented heart. Paul would say in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, I learned in whatever state I am to be content. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Silas could sing, sing hymns, sing praises, even in a dark and dirty Roman prison. A contented heart. Our finest moments in life, brothers and sisters, don't come in times of victory and success. Our finest moments in life come in times of suffering and darkness. As far as God is concerned, the finest moments and the finest things that we ever do, those things happen when we're going through terrible challenges, difficult despair, turning our hearts to God, turning our lives to Him, turning our eyes to Him. That's what Paul and Silas exhibit for us. And because they responded this way, the Philippian jailer comes and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Acts 16, verse 30. And they taught him the gospel. And the Bible says that very hour of the night, he washed their stripes and they baptized that man. He didn't wait for the preacher to say, let's stand and sing. That man said, I want to be baptized. And his whole household said, we want to be baptized too. And they came and they were baptized because two men decided that they were going to praise God even in a dark prison. We can learn a lot from men like Silas, but the one thing I want you to remember about him more than anything else, this man was reliable. God could count on him and the church could count on him and the apostle Paul could count on him. He was steady, he was faithful, he was devoted, he never quit. You be a Christian like that. You live a life like that. Can God and God's people depend on you? Let's learn from Silas. Thank you for, for listening to the lesson this evening. If we can help you to obey the gospel tonight, it's a wonderful day to be baptized. There's no better thing that you could ever do with your life than to put on Christ. If we can help you to do that, or if we can help you by uh, praying for you, won't you make your need known while together we stand and while we sing. A wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord.